Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Francine, it has been a wild week of headlines. Uh, the British press, true to form, coming up with some striking lines on the market chaos. And I was looking back at some of the headlines from crises uh, gone past, you know, echoes across the decades, I think it's fair to say. So, Dave... I'm playing the same game. Which event do you think this quote refers to? Within a few hours, the government was stripped of all political credibility. Yeah, that could apply, couldn't it? I mean, we're talking uh, the Brexit vote, perhaps Black Wednesday, 30 years ago. Black Wednesday. Black Wednesday. Thank you very much. Good job. Okay, Okay, I have another. I have this headline. So what the hell happens now? Yeah, well, we've all been asking that, haven't we? Yeah, but it's not from this week. Brexit. Was that Brexit? Yes. Daily Mirror, morning after the Brexit vote. Okay, this is my favourite one here. The Daily Star. Honey, I shrunk the quids. (laughs) That was good. So this is from this week. And then Um, I have another one actually from this week. Fury at the City Slickers betting against UK PLC. And that's from the Daily Mail. There we go. It's the city's fault, right? That's the Daily Mail angle of this week. It's amazing. It's pretty amazing. Like speculators, of course, are betting that the pound will slide to around one dollar or less, and then the pound actually already fetches less than a dollar for some tourists. So watch out if you're going to a bureau de change I mean, in central London. It's it's remarkable. I'm I'm, I'm in New York this week, and I remember coming here. Uh, well, I had a university, and it was two dollars to the pound. That was you know quite a few years ago, I admit. But uh, you know the idea that we are at parity or possibly below it is. It is remarkable. Yeah, Dave is now paying seven quid for his cup of coffee <laughs> exactly. in New York. It's completely unaffordable here. So how do we get to where we are? Um, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Kwasi Kwarteng, triggered a crash in UK markets last Friday when he announced the biggest package of unfunded tax cuts in a half a century, £45 billion pounds to be exact. I'm going to abolish it altogether. Yeah. From April the 23rd, we will have a, high, a single higher rate of income tax of 40%. We will cut the basic rate of income tax to 19 pence in April 2023, one year early. Next year's planned increase in corporation tax will be cancelled. The market mayhem he had unleashed didn't seem to phase the Chancellor. His exact words, the markets will do what they will. And then, of course, over the weekend, he said that he has even more breaks to come. So cue even more market chaos. We have a crisis in the bond market and a crisis in the currency market. An emerging market style crisis. A crisis of confidence. The UK lacks credibility in markets. You can't solve this crisis of confidence overnight. And many chiming in and not holding back on their doomsday predictions for the pound. The former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers forecasting that the pound will sink past parity with the US dollar. I think the UK is behaving a bit like an emerging market turning itself into uh, a submerging uh, market. And traders are repricing expectations for rate hikes in the Bank of England. And some are urging emergency action 
uh, as soon as this week. I'm Francine Lacqua, back from Rome, now in the London studio. And I'm David Merritt, this time in the New York studio. And this is In the City, Bloomberg's podcast connecting you to the stories at the heart of the city of London. And this week... The pound getting pounded. Yes, sterling is falling to its lowest level against the dollar in half a century. And the questions we're looking to answer, well, what does the city think of the UK policy? Last week, we talked about whether the city was actually buying into the trust quarteng economic vision. We had Nigel Wilson, uh, the chief executive of Legal, Legal in General, telling us he was pretty upbeat about this government, how they were listening to the city and to business. Now, they've crashed the pound. Of course, it's not only because of government policy. It's also Fed hiking bets, putting pressure on the pound because the dollar is so strong. That's right. And of course, you know, sitting here in America, I was watching the commentary on uh, the television this morning and those on the right here are saying that, you know, this is Reaganomics hitting the UK. And in fact, the markets will get over their um, nerves. And in fact, this could be a good thing. So, Dave, we're doing something a little bit different this week. We've approached the show to try and follow the money. So many people are still saying, look, the UK is a a buy. I'm going long on pound. And the other saying, "Ah, I'm getting out. Right, exactly. With all the news flowing around, um, you know, the opinions are pretty strong on both sides. So we thought it'd be good to get both sides of the argument. So we've got, you know, the people screaming that the UK is collapsing, the economy is going to continue to tank and and shorting the pound. But on the other side, people are saying, look, maybe maybe Liz Truss just needs to hold her nerve. And actually, this is right for the long-term health of the economy. Yeah, we got two people that could not be more different. A trader no. <laughs> who made billions in 2008 is now buying up Sterling, a voice saying this is all overblown. But then on the other side, we had the hedge fund manager. He is very vocally shorting the pound and betting against all UK assets. And he's got pretty critical things to say about what the Bank of England isn't doing. But first, maybe a voice of reason. So let's take a step back with a more measured voice. The president of the Peterson Institute for International Economics, Adam Posen. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. You're a former MPC member. You look at the last week that we've had and what do you think? Thank you for having me, Francine, even though it's frankly a sad occasion. I think this shows that doing wishful policies in total disregard of what mainstream economics and and honest brokers tell you is destructive. I think it tells you that you have to pay attention to the context of the world around you, trying to run a, a overly inflationary policy when you've had to do fiscal policy for humanitarian reasons previously, so you don't have the room you had and the rest of the world is in inflation is a terrible idea. And I think as with the latest news of the Bank of England having to step in to prevent a a seizing up in the pension funds and the mortgage market in the UK, some of the stuff is very high stakes. And, And so, you know, it's just really sad to see the UK government behaving in this irresponsible manner. And Adam, do you, I mean, is it the government's fault here? I mean, Liz Truss, uh, is sticking to her guns on this, and yeah, some reports are totally doubling down. I mean, yeah, no, it's it's totally her fault. I mean, being willful in in the face of reality is 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 a irresponsible, childish way for the elect, the sort of elected 
prime minister of a democracy to behave. I mean, um, you know, but Margaret shouldn't be that. So, I mean, she said all along throughout the leadership campaign, this is what she was going to do, didn't she? And Rishi Sunak said, if you do this, if you cut taxes in this environment, it's going to be very inflationary. The guilt market is going to react very badly. And that's all come to pass, hasn't it? I mean, Rishi Sunak yeah. should really be telling I told you so, shouldn't he? Yeah, Rishi Sunak should be, a lot of us should be, but most importantly, Rishi Sunak, since he did have the guts to speak the truth. Um, it's kind of like when, um, you know, 40 years ago and early in the first Reagan campaign and George Bush called it voodoo economics, right, in the, in the Republican primary. It's like with Brexit. If, if the politicians decide that they don't care what the economic costs are of doing something, Legally, that's fine, and you know, and that's the way it is. But don't don't pretend there are no costs. So, so Liz Truss can say it's much more important that I I blow up the UK government, and shrink the state, or she can say it's much more important I make sure that that bankers and high income people get their money, or whatever it is she really wants. But don't come out and say this is going to be viable economically because it's not. Can there be a currency crisis in the UK and what can the Bank of England really do about it? So what we've got now is a, a bad situation that the, labeling it a crisis or not is, is not really that important. There, you're right, Francine, to raise it. I mean, there can't be a currency crisis in the sense Greece had in, in during the euro crisis or in the sense that the UK had 36 years ago, because they're not on a fixed exchange rate. They're issuing debt in their own currency. So you can't have that, but you can still have a very sharp contraction in credit conditions because market interest rates and, and the bank's interest rate, Bank of England's interest rate go up so much, and that has potentially devastating effects on the economy. You can have, as we've seen, a collapse in the currency that become somewhat self-fulfilling um, and it's driven by not that the debt is unsustainable per se, but because clearly the disregard for the sustainability of the debt is, is, is a dangerous sign. And some of the folks in Britain will get mad at me, but I just, in the end, I link this back in part to Brexit, that it's the UK government, a succession of, of, of Tories who insist that the UK can go it alone, can defy conventional wisdom as a special case, and that experts and all that is just holding us back. Well, all of that's false. Yeah, and you know the experts. You know, obviously from the from the Brexit campaign, we were told that Britain had had enough of them. In the leadership campaign, Liz Truss talked about bean counters at the Treasury and the need to right. disregard their advice. If you were still sitting on the MPC. Adam, what would you be advising Andrew Bailey to do? Well, what what I published um, in response to the statement that the governor issued is I would have been advising the bank, I would have been advocating in the MPC that you don't wait for the next meeting. You raise rates a big chunk because very forwardly, the and you say publicly, we already had to raise rates because of the inflation forecast. This fiscal stimulus package that's much larger than just the energy bailout will be inflationary. The fall in the currency, if sustained, will be inflationary. 
And those two combined lead to a situation where inflation expectations are becoming an anchor. So we can wait till the November inflation report meeting to come up with a calibrated better estimate of what the government's policies and the currency movements mean, but there's no reason to wait. We should be raising rates right now. And part of it is just to be honest that the, the, this is, you know, the government can do whatever the government does. It's not for the bank to judge, but it is for the bank to respond. But a, a lot of people Sorry. say this would create a sense of panic, right? If they move too fast, uh, you know, aggressively now. Do you think that Governor Bailey is the right man for the job right now? I think this is about policy, not about individuals. To the degree this is about individuals, it's about Prime Minister Truss. There is a genuine debate, as you just indicated, Francine, as to whether the bank moving too fast would cause panic or whether the whether the waiting would cause panic. It's hard to imagine worse panic than we've had. But, I mean, Adam, on Monday, the bank said, we're going to make a full assessment in, in November on this, you know, six weeks. Yeah, and then no, just two days later, they're, they're ripping up their quantitative tightening plan. And we've got what we're now calling quantitative confusion. I mean, the reputation of the bank here is really on the line, isn't it? The reputation of the bank, like the Fed over the last year or two, and like the ECB before it, is subject to going up and down. What's important to keep a central bank's reputation is that if you get something wrong, it's not because you were scared of the government, it's not because you had an ideological crusade, it's because you got it wrong and you fix it. And so I completely agree. And I said from the first moment, there was no way the bank should have said, we're gonna wait till November to make a decision to assess. They should have in the first statement been saying, this is inflationary, we have to react. But that said, the central bank can make it up. They just got to move on from here and be clear and forthright about what's going on. Adam, uh, just to do the move, right, that the Bank of England did um, announcing this unlimited and immediate purchases of long-dated bonds, how worried about the situation are they? So there's also talk about, you know, fears that really some of these collateral calls could have been called you know, triggering a further crash in guilt. Yeah. How, how problematic is this? It's serious. It's serious. I mean, when the FPC, the Financial Policy Committee, is talking about functioning in the guilt market, dysfunction in the guilt market, that's a very serious matter. And it is entirely right that a central bank has to step in and, and react to that. Um, but we do have to ask ourselves some pretty fundamental questions about pension funds and other long government bond holders, you know, how is it that, that they are having to mark the market on these big swings and are not prepared for them? How is it that we couldn't imagine ahead that there were these interest rate hikes coming? I mean, as I said at a conference in, in London in April, you know, if, if if the Fed has to go to at least four for its terminal rate on this hiking cycle, given the smaller size and the harder inflation problems in the UK, the bank's going to have to go to well above that. So, I mean, five or six. People are going crazy at interest rates of six. So, mm. you know, there, there's, there is something more fundamentally wrong here. That, that, that things are this vulnerable. Uh, given the seriousness, then, I, 
do you think that Liz Truss and Quasi Quateng are going to have to perform the you know the mother of all U-turns here and reverse these tax cuts? I think if they don't, they are betraying the British people. Um, I mean, it's that serious. Prime Minister Truss came in cloaking herself to be Thatcher, but what she needs to do is be Francois Mitterrand in 1981. Francois Mitterrand came in with some ridiculous economic policies. He said, I'm not going to listen to the neoliberal right-wing experts. I'm going to run a huge fiscal policy to benefit the people I think should be benefited. And, you know, the markets are telling me no, but I'm going to go ahead. And it turned out, you know, similar to what's happening now in the UK. The Frank, French franc crashed, uh, interest rates shot up, and he had to make a U-turn, a complete U-turn. Okay, but if, so if they don't reverse it, how much, you know, basis points of hikes does the Bank of England need to do to get this under control? So what I was saying, Kritzine, is they were going to have to do get up to six, say, by the early, by the second quarter, say, of 23. Then you throw in what the policy was in the exchange rate, and that says you would have to get there much faster and maybe get there much higher. Mm -hmm. Then if if the government persists in this obviously mistaken policy and therefore is raising deep questions about its competence, um, then then the bank's basically unlimited. You're you're gonna you're, then you are in emerging market territory or developing country territory or for that matter, Italy and UK in the seventies territory. So you're gonna have to raise rates, you know, towards ten percent, whatever it takes. I mean, so this fiscal policy is unsustainable, not in the literal sense that the bank, that the government, excuse me, that Her Majesty's Treasury isn't going to be able to meet its payments. It will. But it's going to be unsustainable in the sense that doing so will force the bank to go to interest rates that they have, would never otherwise have to go to. The amount of government spending that will go to interest payments rather than to needed services will increase. The recession will deepen. It will be unsustainable in that sense. What sort of recession are we going to see with rates at 6% and how and how long? Pretty serious recession. Um, you know, um, the only things to be said are the UK, like the US, and like certain places in Europe was heading into this point. You had a labor market that was in some ways overheating. You had rising wages for a large part of the economy. You had balance sheets until this blow up quite good because people saved a lot during... COVID. You know, so going into this, the UK could have had a recession that was not terrible. Um, But now we're looking at something that looks more like 1979, which is very Well, it's also been behaving, you know, Adam, or certain investors say that it's been behaving like an emerging market. Does the UK ever get back you know, it's golden age status where investors really wanted and trusted this country. I think you do get it back. But Francine, I'll just point out, I I said in 2017 and since, one of the reasons Brexit mattered was it would undermine the credibility of the macro regime in the UK because you were at a fundamental level shrinking the economy, shrinking its market access, um, making more uncertain its its trading relationships, 
um, making it less buffered. And so you were going partway back to the 70s, maybe not to emerging market, but partway back to the 70s where the bank was going to have to keep one eye on the exchange rate. And Truss and Quarting, as rather their policy proposal um, program, as many have pointed out, takes us back literally to the Barber budget of 74, which means the nadir of British post-war economic policy. And so, of course, now that means the currency becomes more important than your domestic goals because it's it's forcing everything. So could you get it back up? Yes, you can get it back. But I don't, I, you don't get it all the way back and you don't get it back easily. I think, all, and what that means in practical terms is you have to have a U-turn. Um, if you don't have to have a U-turn, you have to have very, very high interest rates until the U-turn is affected. And you have to expect that there will be a risk premium built into gilts that wasn't there on an ongoing basis for a couple of years. That's the, that's the best case yeah. scenario. Thanks, Adam. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. So, Dave, let's start out with our hedge fund manager who shorted the pound and is now betting against UK stocks. Edouard de Langlade, the founder of macro hedge fund EDL Capital. Why did you start shorting the pound, first of all? I've been shorting the pound for some time because the UK situation is pretty dreadful. Then uh, when you look at the Bank of England, they have the most inflation, more than the US, more than Europe, uh, more than any country, obviously, besides Turkey. And they're the least aggressive. You know, I think the Bank of England is not being very honest in its uh, assessment of the situation. Uh, they're saying they have no control of energy. They're saying they have no control of gas prices. They say they have no control of cost. Well, it was the same in the 1970s. They have no control of uh, the oil embargo in the 70s, you know, but uh, Volcker uh, acted aggressively despite that. I see inflation like gangrene, you know. If you don't act 
forcefully at the beginning is going to get worse. I mean, what should they be doing? I mean, are we talking 100 basis points this week, an emergency move? They're so far behind the curve. They're so far behind. They should do um, 500 basis points. 500? Yes. They should uh, show uh, that they mean business. 500 basis points. What happens to this economy? We're going to see, what, a huge housing crash? It's, it does, it's irrelevant what's going to happen. It's like uh, you have the gangrene and it's on your toe. I don't want to lose my toe. And then you do nothing, and then you have to lose your foot. And then you do nothing, and then you have to lose your leg. It's irrelevant what the cost of it. Because if you don't do anything, and if you don't become aggressive, then it's going to be much more costly in the future. All right, Edouard, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So as we promised, there's always two sides to every trade. Now, here is a former hedge fund manager who also shot to fame for $2.7 billion volatility trading gain. This was back during the financial crisis, and he's buying the pound. He is Stephen Diggle of Olpes. So why are you buying pound now? You know, my natural instinct is to be a contrarian. It's been profitable for me. When everybody is doom and gloom, then there is probably you know, an opportunity. So we simply took it as an opportunity to acquire some more sterling, to buy some more UK assets. That's, you know, so that's, that's, the, that's the perspective that we're taking. But as investors rather than traders, you know, we're looking at how, what, what impact this will have over the next, you know, one to two years, not one to two days. I'm sitting here in New York and looking at a headline on MSNBC, which says fears of economic collapse in the UK. I mean, this is really breaking through around the world. It sounds like you're, well, you're quite clearly saying that is overdone. I mean, should Lids Trust and Quasi Quateng just hold their nerve at the moment? My instinct would be if they, if they believe in low taxes because they're proper conservatives and they believe that taxes will lead to stronger, lower taxes will lead to stronger economic growth then that's a conviction which is going to take some time to play out. Also, let's put this in a context, right? I mean, cutting corporate taxes from, what, 20 to 19, or the top rate of tax from 45 to 40, you know, or reversing what I think was was an enormously ill-conceived increase in national insurance. This isn't some sort of, you know, economic um, uh, adventure. I mean, these are pretty standard pro-business, pro-growth, uh, tactics. So, you know, I've been surprised by how shrill and negative the press has been. If they feel strongly that this is the right thing for Britain, of course, they, they need to give it some time to play out. And of course, with a majority in the 60s, uh, in the House of Commons, and no election due for several years, they have the ability to let it play out. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for listening to this week's In the City. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, if you like our show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. And I know we say this every week, but have you done it yet? Diehard fans talking to you, Duncan. (laughs) And the other thing you probably haven't done yet, but you really should do is sign up for our newsletter, The Readout with Allegra Stratton. That is on bloomberg.com slash newsletters or check out the show notes for a link. This episode was hosted by me, David Merritt. And me, Francine Lacqua. It was produced by Summer Sadi and Marifal Hussain. Special thanks to Adam Posen, Stephen Diggle and Edouard de Langlade. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.